Well, it is Ferrari back on top. The Bahrain Grand Prix saw both Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz topping the podium. First win for the Scuderia since Monza of 2019. We're going to break down the Bahrain Grand Prix, and we will talk about this season opener and all of the ramifications of this race. This is the Overtake Formula One podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're going to review the race, give you our team report, a couple of things I like and didn't like about the race, and then ask the big question. All right, so the new regulations work. But first, quickly subscribe to the podcast if you like what we're doing. Really do appreciate it. And if you do like what we're doing, please leave us a five-star review. It certainly helps us grow the podcast. You can find us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast page, where you can comment on your thoughts on the Grand Prix and news and notes from Formula One. So again, subscribe. Please leave us a review. We really do appreciate it. So at the start of this race, the big question was, would Charles Leclerc be able to hold off Max Verstappen at the start when lights went out going into turn one? Now, it didn't seem that big of a deal that the world champion was starting P2. I mean, after all, that's where Lewis Hamilton started last year in Bahrain. He was able to win the race. And also we know how aggressive Max can be at the start. But Leclerc did hold on to that lead and was able to get that inside line going into turn number one and then pulled away a little bit from the crowd behind him. It was Ferrari and Red Bull in the top four. You had Lewis Hamilton making a move on Sergio Perez. He ended up getting that fourth spot. And Kevin Magnussen in the Haas sitting in fifth. Perez then dropped down two spots after losing that fourth spot to Hamilton. He was running in sixth. Now, the early takeaways of this Grand Prix was that Ferrari, they were really quick. Leclerc increased his lead. Sainz was solid in third. Hamilton was right behind him. Magnussen was holding his own, too, in that Haas. The McLarens, however, they were at the bottom of the field. Both were on medium tires to start the race. They were the only drivers to start on mediums. They were 18th and 20th early on in the Grand Prix. Now, there was some contact early by Esteban Ocon hitting Mick Schumacher on the first lap. That ended up being the only penalty of the day. The race was projected by Pirelli to be a two-stopper. The track is very abrasive. And, you know, this high degradation... Hamilton, he came in on lap 12 to get hard tires. The idea was maybe he could go long on those. He did have a hard time getting them to work when he came out of the pits, couldn't get any heat in them. There was no traction. At one point, he you know, was described, he looked like he was on ice. But then he was able to get them warmed up a little bit and got himself back into the top 10. Now, Max Verstappen, he comes in on lap 15, grabs another set of soft tires. He's going to try the undercut. Leclerc is going to come in one lap later. Max almost pulls this off. He gets right behind the Ferrari going into turn number one, and he stays behind was able to take the lead of the race very briefly until Leclerc with DRS was able to take it back. Now remember, these two drivers had a tangle in Bahrain in 2020. Both went into the wall. So this was really good racing between these two. Max would grab the lead. Leclerc would grab it back. Max on the front stretch in turn one would get it again. Leclerc would get it back. Max then locked up his tires on lap 19, making a pass. Leclerc took the lead for good, sped away. Hamilton, he came back in on lap 28. He got himself a set of mediums. That was his second pit stop. So he was going to try to get that set to the finish. 57 laps were in the Grand Prix, so he needed 29 laps on those. Verstappen came in for his second stop on lap 31. He tried the undercut again. But then he was told not to push on the outlap. Now, this was the second time the team told him not to do that. And when again, he could not get past Leclerc, who pitted a lap later to get a set of mediums, Verstappen let his dissatisfaction with those orders known on the radio. Said he'll never do that again. He'll never take it easy on an outlap again. 
Hamilton, he started to move his way up through the field. He passed Pierre Gasly, Kevin Magnussen, he moved into six, and that was behind the two Red Bulls, the two Ferraris, and his teammate George Russell. Now, meanwhile, Leclerc had extended his lead over Verstappen, and he looked like he was going to cruise in this one to his first victory since Monza of 2019. Verstappen, however, started to complain about his steering wheel. The team asked if it was heavy. He said it was heavy everywhere, and it was just not smooth. Then on lap 46, Pierre Gasly's car caught on fire and the safety car came out. And boy, did this look familiar. Verstappen in second, everybody's lining up, handful of laps remaining. I mean, come on. I mean, it was like starting to go, oh my God, I haven't, you know, I haven't really recovered from the last time I saw this. Leclerc came in on fresh tires. Verstappen had the power steering issue for of some kind. Carlos Sainz was in third, Checo fourth, and Hamilton fifth. So this was going to set up for a pretty decent restart. The green flag waved on lap 50. Leclerc took off. Now, Verstappen was alongside the Ferrari coming out of turn 15. He likes to do, likes to really get close. Um, but he had too tight of the inside line on that corner, and that really allowed Leclerc to get a good jump, and then he was flying down the straight. And Sainz was actually the one that was battling Verstappen for second. So instead of Max being able to get with Leclerc to battle for the front of that field, it was actually Sainz who was battling Verstappen for P2. Then this race gets really, really interesting. Verstappen radios in, he's got something wrong with the battery, he says. Right? He says there's something wrong with the battery. Red Bull says there's nothing wrong with the battery, but Verstappen is adamant that there is an issue. Next thing you know, Sainz passes him. Perez and Hamilton pass him. Russell passes him. And he's done. And he goes into the pits. Now, i got to be honest with you. This was pretty good on television because this looked like, just watching it, it looked like the following. Verstappen complains about something. The team tells him it's not the problem. He insists they're the problem. The team says there's nothing we can do about it. And then he just quits. And then he just stops. Like, of course, I know he's not stopping in, in protest, but he just had that look on television. Like, he's like, all right, you guys don't believe me? Fine, I'm parking this thing in and I'm done for the day. But in all seriousness, that was it for him. And he's out of the Grand Prix. And he's not going to finish in the points in the season opening race. Okay, but Sergio Perez is still out there. But that didn't last too long either because he lost power, spun into turn one. And now Red Bull, with two cars that were in the front four of the grid to start the Grand Prix, had two cars in the top four and was looking for a huge points haul. Both of their drivers are out. It's a complete disaster in the opening race of the season. And Charles Leclerc goes on to win the Bahrain Grand Prix. His teammate Carlos Sainz comes in second. It's a 1-2 for Ferrari and Lewis Hamilton. And we're going to get to Mercedes in a bit here. Lewis Hamilton comes in third. All right, so let's get a rundown on the teams, all 10 of them and how they did in this season opener. We're going to start with Ferrari. Well done. Bellissimo. This was 1-2 finish for a car that impressed in testing and in the Grand Prix weekend. Leclerc started on pole. He won the race, had the fastest lap. Signs, yeah, he was able to capitalize on the Verstappen breakdown for P2, but he ran in the top three all day. So both drivers really had that car dialed in after one race. But this wasn't too surprising because that was the preseason um, news attention was Ferrari and what they had built going into 2022. For Ferrari fans at Tifosi, this is what they've been waiting for for a long time. 2020 was a disaster. 2021 
one was better because they got P3 in the constructors, but they still didn't have any victories. And now they are back on top as of right now with just one race in the books. But again, you get the feeling this iconic team is going to be doing well for the upcoming season. Now for Red Bull. An awful season debut with both cars failing to finish the race. Verstappen, though, was on the back of Leclerc for most of the night. But there always seemed like there was something wrong throughout the race. Maybe because, again, television only broadcasts the radio messages of potential trouble. And drivers are always, like, nitpicking things, right? It may, what they think is a problem isn't really a problem. But good television likes to give you the impression that this car is in serious trouble when in, maybe it wasn't. But there was an overall feeling throughout the Grand Prix that Verstappen's car was not quite right. You know, he had said some things about the tires. Obviously, they had the steering wheel issue. Right, so there was a couple of things throughout the Grand Prix that made you feel like the Red Bull car wasn't really completely dialed in as we've seen it in the past. However, I was really shocked that the car just died. Like it just was over. It ended up being a fuel pump problem. And Perez, he had a stalled engine as well and spun out in turn number one. Now, is this devastating? No, we still got 22 graces remaining on the season. And these kind of things does happen. They do happen in motor racing. However, it's got to be disappointing. You are coming off a world championship season. You want to come into this year feeling like Mercedes is on the back end a little bit uh, with some more development to go. You want to kind of attack and you have your both drivers out. As for Mercedes, again, they went into this weekend and they weren't that impressive and they kept saying that there's more work to do and the term that was used a lot for the team was damage limitation. They didn't really qualify particularly well. They could see how Red Bull and Ferrari were starting on the grid, but they ended up with a nice points haul. Hamilton on the podium and Russell finishing fourth. But yes, they have work to do, and they all admitted that as a team. Red Bull certainly helped them out, and they know that, and they also know that they have a ways to go before getting the pace to the Ferrari and Red Bull level. However, this is a good points haul if you're kind of looking to see, all right, we're not going to be competitive. Let's see what we could possibly do. A 3-4 in a Grand Prix where your main rival coming into the season has no cars in the points is a very, very good day for Mercedes, but they will be working on those cars uh, throughout the next couple of races to get up to the pace. Haas, now what a feel-good story this was. All right, the whole weekend was really about Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, but Haas was in the mix as well. They got points with the best-of-the-rest finish for Kevin Magnussen. The team spent all of 2021 with two rookie drivers and down at the bottom scoring no points. They had Nikita Mazepin, and they had Mick Schumacher, and they were learning the ropes of Formula One. Mazepin is out of Formula One, so is his father. Kevin Magnussen comes out, and they put all of their resources into 2022. And man, it showed. This was the one team everybody kept buzzing about during preseason testing. Kevin Magnuson at one point had the fastest car in one testing session. So a lot of people were looking at this like, man, wouldn't it be great to see Haas get some points? And they did. Uh, Mick Schumacher was running in the top 10 before he finished 11th. There was a decision that the team made to leave him on old tires uh, that caused a slide back, but it was still a great day for the team. It was Schumacher in particular, that was his best finish. Uh, he was also hit early by Esteban Ocon. Afterwards, he said the car never really felt right after that. But Nate, make no doubt about it. Nikita Mazepin in that car that Kevin Magnussen drove, 
There would have been no points. He would have been P16 or something, P17 or something like that. There's no question that Kevin Magnuson behind the wheel of that car was the reason that car got into P5 and that car got into points. K-Mag back behind the wheel, tremendous addition to this team's chances of having a very good season. Alfa Romeo. Valtteri Bottas finishes P6 and rookie Zhou Guanyu finishing 10th. It was a double points haul for the team. Bottas finishing in the top 10 after falling back due to some wheel spin early in the race at the start. Uh, but he said afterwards that the team had a good strategy. They ran a great race for both cars. Guanyu got points in his debut. And yes, he did have three cars ahead of him retire, but nobody should take that away from him. Alpine. Now outside of Ocon hitting Schumacher early in the race, I don't really remember anything that they really did in the Grand Prix that was overly spectacular. Ocon finishing seventh. Eh, Fernando Alonso ran ninth. It was points for both of the drivers. Ocon did get into the top 10 despite having a five-second penalty. They had great pit stops all day. They were pretty solid on strategy. So, again, a good day for them. AlphaTauri. Thank goodness for Vyuki Sonoda. He was the only driver in the Red Bull stable that finished the race. Uh, he finished P8. Gasly running well until he suffered a power failure. That brought out the safety car. Car caught on fire. He said afterwards he did like the pace of the car and felt like he was running a pretty good Grand Prix. But boy, oh boy, I mean, to have three of the, of the Honda-powered cars going out of this Grand Prix is not a very good look. Um, Aston Martin, Sebastian Vettel out due to COVID. So Nico Hulkenberg drove for him. He finished P17. Lance Stoll finished 12th. Both cars out of the points, uh, even with three cars out of the race. Very disappointing day for them, but they didn't really show anything in, t in testing that much. So I wonder if this is a season where they can play catch up to the midfield. Otherwise, they may be looking uh, for the next few races, at least, uh, being back of the pack. Williams. This was actually disappointing to me. Uh, Alex Albon and Nicholas Latifi both finishing outside the top 10. And that's rather disappointing because they were a team that had really dedicated a lot into this season in trying to be competitive in the midfield. And yeah, they kind of looked like the same old Williams. Um, they're trying to be competitive, but this was not the Grand Prix for them. I mean, they didn't really do much. Alex Albon almost got tangled with Carlos Sainz coming out of the pits. Um, Sainz kind of said, hey, this guy's almost, he almost hit me. But the team I think that was the most disappointing was McLaren. A tremendously disappointing day. Both Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris finished well back. Ricciardo P14, Norris P15. Both started on medium tires at the start of the Grand Prix. They were the only drivers to do so. They didn't have a good testing. So it wasn't too surprising that they struggled at Bahrain. And Daniel Ricciardo was coming off COVID. So I'll give him that. Now, the team did try to spin it a little bit, talking about, hey, look, we got all this data. Now that's going to help us down the road. And in all likelihood, it will. But don't take away from the fact that this was a pretty awful weekend for McLaren. So now the big question of this Grand Prix weekend is, did these regulations work? And the answer is yes. The new regulations did have some close racing. It allowed teams to be much better this year than last. We saw some really good battles on the track. Verstappen and Leclerc, they really put on a show for a few laps. Max then locked his tire, locked his brakes, and Leclerc sped away. But even behind them, there were really good battles. So, yes, we kind of have what we wanted within these new regulations. And we had seven different teams in Q3 on Saturday, and that's really good for the overall competitive state of the sport. We are not going into the season seeing Mercedes and Red Bull way ahead of everybody else in terms of car development. 
in terms of the money that they can spend to be very competitive winning Grand Prix. Now, maybe Ferrari runs away with this, but probably not. We still have 22 races to go. Everyone's going to be stunning their data. And the difference is the, a lot of teams are going to know that if they can find some things that work, if they can change some things that they can be in this race for, to be in the top five of the constructors, for example, you know, Red Bull may still in the end be the team to chase. Maybe Mercedes figures things out and they get right back into this chase. But again, maybe not. That's the way these regulations are looking. Maybe that with too many cars being competitive, maybe they don't separate themselves from the field. So I did like how these new regulations work. Now, again, not one race defines everything. We're going to see how these regulations work at different circuits. But I think overall, I'm pretty excited about the upcoming 2022 season. All right, one other bit of news that I do want to get to from the Bahrain weekend. The FIA published its reports, its inquiry into the Abu Dhabi race that Max Verstappen won, uh, albeit the decision by Michael Massey certainly aided that, and he ended up being the world champion. The FIA saying that the decision by Michael Massey to not unlap all the cars, but just some of the cars, was made in good faith. However, a human error was prevalent in this decision. Now, I've said it on this podcast, I've said it on my radio show here in the United States, that I thought this was a bad look for Formula One. I don't think you change the rules or you adjust the rules or you get into the gray area of the rules at a moment where a championship is decided. Uh, I We wouldn't want that at a Super Bowl. We wouldn't want that during a World Series. Uh, we just don't want it to happen in a Grand Prix at the end of the season where a champion could be determined. And Michael Massey, you know, was making a decision knowing a couple of things, right? He made that decision knowing a couple of things that Lewis Hamilton was on older hard tires and Max Verstappen had fresher softs and being the, he knew how motor racing usually works that Verstappen had a real serious advantage when the green flag was going to wave. The term human error, though, has been problematic for a lot of people because it does imply that Massey made a mistake in that decision. And I don't think he made a mistake in that decision. I can argue that maybe he made a mistake in interpreting the rules, but he didn't make an error, meaning that he did not know what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. All right. He did. He made a decision knowing for, full well what the consequences were going to be for that Grand Prix. And I think that has been problematic, especially for Lewis Hamilton fans, because it seems to imply that this was just an accident. It wasn't an accident. You could say he made the wrong decision, but that's not the same way as defining it as human error. If I meant to hit button A and I accidentally hit button B, that's human error. But if I hit button A and I make a decision to hit button A and a result occurs by me pressing that button that is sort of catastrophic, that's not human error. That's a bad decision. Those are to me, maybe it's just I'm, I'm futzing with the wording a little bit, but that to me is two totally different things. Uh, there was a decision, again, to not allow uh, team principals to radio into race control during a Grand Prix so that any decision made by the race director, who's no longer going to be Michael Massey, uh, that he can make that decision in peace. Uh, no kidding. I mean, I'd never, I, you listen, it made good television. It made for good talking points. But who thought that was a good idea as just a practical operational thing? 
again, as fans, we kind of like being a fly on the wall and those kind of things. But when you're in the operational way of running Formula One, who thought that was a good idea to just to let team principals just interrupt whatever the race director was doing and just start complaining to them, you know, with throughout throughout the race while he's trying to make decisions. One other thing, though, I, I think from Abu Dhabi, and, and again, this inquiry comes out uh, of the weekend of the Grand Prix, was that there was a decision to allow the safety car to come in once the lap cars passed the leader. And that really bothered a lot of people because the rules state that once that happens, you have to go one more lap. Now, in this case, one more lap meant that the race would have ended under yellow. So Massey deciding that it would be best if the race ended under green, which a lot of us racing fans like, and a lot of racers in particular, drivers, team principals, whatever, they like that as well for the sport. But in this case, it was sort of playing around loosely with the rules in terms of interpretation. And I'd like to see that sort of solidified if he if a race has to end under yellow it is unfortunate but that's racing it sometimes happens nascar they go into overtime in formula one there is no overtime if it ends under yellow it ends under yellow now i think that there was a conscious decision to say this grand prix and this world championship decided under a yellow flag with lewis hamilton you know, just kind of slowly crossing over the the start finish line as the winner of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and thus the winner of the world championship was not a look good was, was not a good look globally for the sport. I would agree with that a hundred percent. But at the same time, they were just caught in a catch twenty two. They wanted the image of a final lap shootout for the world championship, but at the same time they needed to circumvent or sort of manipulate the rules to allow that to happen. So nevertheless, that's the FIA's findings. They're making some tweaks to it. Um, I, you know, like I said, it's not going to sit well with some people. It's going to sit perfectly well with others. It does not take the championship away from Max Verstappen, nor should it. That was never should have been considered. You know, once a, a sporting event is over, it should stay that way. I have a problem even in the United States when college teams win a national championship and they find out some booster paid a kid and they strip the title away. I'm like, no, you should have caught him before that, I guess. I don't know. I don't think we should go back and sort of take titles and championships away and then somewhere in a lot in a room somewhere hand the trophy to the other guy. I think this was Max's championship. He was told the race director said, this is how we're going to play this out. That's not Max's fault whatsoever. He went with whatever the race director said was the race, and that is on the FIA. It's the FIA's problems. That is not Max's problem, nor is it Red Bull's problem. That's the way they wanted that race to end, and that's the way that race ended, and the title is his. All right, we will be back later this week for a preview of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. We go back to the streets of Jeddah. We will have that preview for us, plus we have bringing back top five, bottom five from this Bahrain Grand Prix. So look for that coming up next week. Once again, subscribe to the channel. Leave us a five-star review if you like what we do. I really hope you do. I'm, I'm very excited for the growth of this podcast. I'm Tony Desiri. This is the Overtake Formula One Podcast.